This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Friday Walkthrough. I'm Cole Carmody alongside Monty Spiller. K-State drops a tough game to Texas, 34-27. But now they get ready to go take on Baylor. Two important games. K-State dropped the first one. They get a chance for redemption against Baylor on Saturday. Yeah, you know, I hate that we lost, but the good news is we're still alive. You know, a lot of times when you lose to a Texas, especially at home, it was a big game. Uh, a lot was on, on the line, but the season's not over, and we still have an opportunity to get a win this coming Saturday and get back into the Big 12 Championship talk. Like one game at a time, one and oh, like Coach Klein likes to say. But you know, we'll see how it goes. It'll be a, it'll be a fun time. We're going to talk about the game against Texas. We'll also preview the game against Baylor. But before we go any further, we want to let you know we're sponsored by our good friends at the Part Time Beverage Company. The first half is sponsored by the Club Special. The second half is sponsored by the Cape Cod. Make sure you're hitting subscribe on the YouTube channel. Go Powercat YouTube posts a lot of great K-State content. We're still always looking for new people. Make sure you hit subscribe and make sure you subscribe to GoPowerCat.com. So as we break in, as we break down this Texas game, there's a whole lot of different places to start. But I think the best way to go about this is to start talking about the very beginning of the game, the first half. K-State goes into the locker room down 31 to 10. But there was a lot that went into that. What were your just overall uh, initial impressions of the first half on Saturday? Um, there were no surprises, really. You know, we talked about it. I knew Texas O-line and B. John Robinson was uh, going to be a problem. You know, we talked about it. He, we knew he would get 100 yards. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I hope he wouldn't get more than 150. But, you know, the guy's a grown man. And, like I said, he's going to be a first-round draft pick if he decides to come out this year. And somebody's going to get a special player. So, Texas O-line in a running game was uh, very impressive to be expected. Uh, the quarterback did a lot better job of getting the ball out fast. You know, he did a good job of getting the ball out, putting the receivers in position to make plays. But probably the most damaging, in my opinion, play was the second or third play of the game when uh, Brents was called for targeting. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of – he's a leader on the defense, he's a leader on the team, and he can lock down any receiver one-on-one, and that put a, a big uh, challenge ahead of us in the game. I think that play was important because m- maybe not – for the outcome of the game, but for the overall atmosphere of yeah, the game, if yeah. that makes sense. Jacob Parrish came in and did a really good job. No, he did. He did. And I, I just wonder how much they had to change the game plan with Brents out because we talked to some of the guys and they said the biggest thing really was just communication because yeah. Julius is a communicator. He's a leader on that defense. Mm-hmm. He helps get the signals in. He helps get the play calls in. With Jacob out there, he's just trying to fill a role. Yeah. So maybe they had to change some things defensively. You know, when you when you don't, he, he's more the nickel guy. And yes. so when he practices that 
that nickel role, it's a completely different role than having to go out uh, on the edge and cover and be basically the number one cornerback. Yeah. So there, that that play was important for a lot of different reasons. I want to ask you about the targeting call, not necessarily not necessarily the call, but the rule in general, because that's been a hot topic uh, around K State football this week. Is um, obviously because of that play, but should it be should it have been targeting? Should it not have been targeting? I'm a, I'm of the opinion it was the right call by the rule that was targeting. Exactly. But there's a lot of things that this offseason the NCAA needs to do to try and fix that rule. I'm with you 100. percent You know, by the rule it was targeting. Then you got to make that call, but. I'm not a fan of automatically disqualifying an individual for the rest of the game or for the half and then uh, the the beginning of the next game, the first half. Mm -hmm. You know, the game is too fast and physical for guys to be able to control their body. He was making a play on the ball. And it's putting a defensive guy in a position. What do you want him to do? Allow the receiver to catch the ball, then attempt to make a tackle, or do what he's coached? You know, you make a break on the ball, you run through a guy. You know, keep it and, and, and I get it. It was targeting by the rule. But he was in a position to make the play and he led with his shoulder, but because your body reacts and recoils, it's gonna have some helmet to helmet contact. Now, my thing is if it happens twice in the game, sure, disqualify a guy for the rest of the game, but he shouldn't be disqualified for the next game because it's a new game. I don't agree with that. You know, but and give him the first one, give him fifteen yard penalty, mm-hmm. but allow him to stay in the game. Mm-hmm. But like you said, the NCAA needs to reevaluate that rule and look at it because so many games have been dictated and changed because of that rule. I'm all for safety. But there has to be some human element to it. And you think about last year, go back to last year, Daniel Green, the same situation. Mm-hmm. He was in the beginning part of the year. It's an interesting rule, and it's definitely something that the league needs to look at. But it, that play in particular, again, I think it completely affected the game. But the bottom line is Bijan Robinson was an absolute stud in the first half. I was... I had never seen him play in person, uh, much like a lot of fans at the game. He didn't, um, if you weren't at the game in 2020, obviously the COVID restrictions, not a lot of people were, you wouldn't have got a chance to see him. He didn't play last year in Austin. He looked incredible. Uh, The way he was able to cut on a dime and and get horizontal and then get vertical, Mm -hmm. it was was impressive. It's something I haven't seen. I mean, as great as Deuce Vaughn is, Deuce Vaughn is elusive, Mm -hmm. right? He he is good because he is able to make people miss. He's able – once he gets in space, he's gone. Mm -hmm. Bijan Robinson is just different. Yes. I mean, it, there's it's it's hard to compare the two running backs because they're completely different players, mm-hmm. um, and I, I wouldn't necessarily say that Bijan is that much better than Deuce, but Bijan is just different, and he completely torched K State's defense. I I honestly, it, we knew it would come down to tackling. Mm-hmm. This game to me is on the defense, especially the defensive backs, right. not being able to come down and tackle until the second half when they had finally had a chance to adjust to it. Yeah, and and, and going back to B. John, you know, I was there uh, two years ago to watch him play, and that was my first uh, time being exposed to him in in person. And I remember talking to my buddy I was with. I said that that that's a grown man, and I don't think people realize how physical he is. You know, in, in past everybody looks big, but up close. He is a physical specimen. The guy's put together. He's solid. And a lot of times, guys just bounce off of him. In the first half, it wasn't that K-State wasn't in position to make the play, but they were just bouncing off of him. And he, he he's done it all year. You know, any team 
that he played against, he gives them problems. And I knew that he would get K-State problems because we're a physical team. We, we fly around, we make tackles, but he's just different. And he's kind of – every team has a guy that's their kryptonite. Mm-hmm. He's our kryptonite. And Daniel Green played in this game, which yeah. I think was a good – that was a good thing for K-State. He obviously was not 100%. You no, can tell you can he tell. was not moving yeah. around. And maybe it's because he hadn't gone full speed of practice, just trying to get back into the flow of things. You think for Baylor – Having played, having gotten back to speed a little bit, he should be a little bit better. See a few more snaps. He was not 100%. But really, again, in this 3-3-5, it's massive for defensive backs to come down and make tackles. And how many times did we see a safety who was in position to make a tackle? Either A, he just whiffed, or just Bijan Robinson um, made him miss, or he just bounced right off of him. That's not something we're accustomed to seeing with this K-State defense. Um, When we talk about Baylor, we'll talk a little bit more about their rushing attack. I don't think that'll happen again, because in the second half on defense, K-State held Texas to three points, gave them a chance to win. Looking at the offensive side of the ball, to me, the big storyline is really in in the first half, K-State was matching Texas for the first basically quarter. Mm Mm-hmm. And then they started to slow down. Adrian Martinez throws the pick. Mm-hmm. They go into the locker room down three scores. What were your overall impressions of the offense in the first half? It was I was kind of confused. You know, like you said, the first couple of series we had the ball. We moved it at will. We were mixing it up. Deuce was in the pass game. Deuce was in the run game. Adrian looked comfortable. Um, they had time. Uh, there was a pocket. The O-line did a good job. And all of a sudden, they hit a wall. And we became stagnant. I don't know if it was play calling. I don't know uh, if guys were injured. I'm not sure what happened, but we couldn't match Texas energy, and all of a sudden, we're down um, 31-10 a half. Mm-hmm. Or, and he's kind of like, man, you know, I never gave up because I knew we had the capability to come back and do some good things, but against a good Texas team, at home, regardless, on the road, that's a, a significant amount to come back from. I think part of it was, too, was there was everybody in the stands. If you'd watched Texas, if you'd watched K-State, you knew this K-State team was not going to give oh, up. Yeah. But you also knew Texas was going to Texas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They were going to let K-State back in that game, and they did. Yep. They really did. <clears throat> Excuse me. K-State took full advantage of that. Mm-hmm. They just couldn't get it done in the end. To me, I want to go back to the, the last series for K-State on offense in the first half. Yeah. Adrian Martinez throws an interception, his first one of the year. Mm-hmm. Simple read. The Texas linebacker read his eyes. He took a deeper drop than Adrian thought he would. Tried to throw it to Malik. Texas linebacker jumps in front of it, picks it off. They end up getting a touchdown. That was a huge play. It was. It was. And when he threw it, and, and it's easy for me as a as a fan from the stands, to see the, the backer dropping deeper than he normally would. And, and I, why would you throw that? But then, you know, when you got guys flying in front of you and they've been bringing pressure all game and, and, and they probably were dropping more shallow prior to that, but you have to understand late in the quarter, um, a, a longer distance, the backers are thinking they're not going to run, probably mm-hmm. a pass, they may get a deeper drop. And to get the guy was athletic. He did a great job of dropping, getting underneath the pass, get an interception, and set them up for a touchdown. But, you know, it's one of those things where nine times out of ten, Adrian doesn't make that mistake. But you got to remember, he had been out for a game and a half. Right. And he was just kind of getting back to the speed of the game, knowing what's going on. You know, no matter how uh, how much of a veteran player you are, you're still human, and you have to, to shake it off. Second half, it looked a lot better. But first first half, there were some times where you could tell he was a little rusty. Almost a month when you factor in the bye week, yeah, he hadn't played yeah, true. in true. True and, and game action. To me, and, and I've said this throughout the week, but I firmly believe that uh, Adrian Martinez played a great game. Yeah. He, he had, had one, one bad pass. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean— People want to make the argument about Will Howard. I'm not really in that conversation because I think Adrian does things that Will does differently. Yes. Adrian Martinez was able to escape the pocket, able to make plays because Texas was bringing the rush. 
he made one bad throw, and unfortunately, it cost K State. But the turnover battle was still two to two. Yeah, it was, and and a lot of people, because we lost the game, it's easy to put the, to put blame on a quarterback. That's human nature, you know. Any team, uh, shoot. When the Chiefs were rolling and Mahomes had a couple of bad games, they were like, oh, Mahomes are like, you guys are crazy. Mahomes is yeah. still a great quarterback. Stop it. Same with us. You know, it's one of those things where when you lose, they want to blame the quarterback. But when you're winning, even if he has a bad game, we win. People tend to overlook that. It was a closer game, and, and we still had the opportunity late to win yep. it. Yep. We just couldn't finish the deal. We kind of shot ourselves in the foot early, came back, regrouped. Um, defense stepped up big time. Um, the one play when Savage stopped uh, Bijan mm-hmm. on third and short it was huge. You know, so we had our chances. We just have to play a complete game. And Texas played a lot of zone against K-State on Saturday. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that was to try and contain the scrambling ability of Martinez a little bit. You know, instead of having K-State run a bunch of deep routes and the defensive backs have their backs turned and Martinez can take off and run. um, I think it worked to Adrian's advantage, to be honest. He was able to find those pockets in the zone, deliver the passes. I thought he looked good in the second half. I mean, that's probably one of the better halves of football he's played, especially considering Everyone in the stadium knew he had to throw the ball. Yeah. They're down by three scores, and he engineered a comeback. Unfortunately, on that last play, um, a defensive lineman made a play. Yep. He got the ball out. Mm-hmm. Texas won the game. But I don't think with the way that the first half ended, you could have asked for a better opportunity. You have the ball, two and a half minutes left. Go tie the game. They weren't able to, but, again, I almost wonder if this was just a buzzsaw they ran into with Texas. Texas was on. We were stumb- We weren't stumbling in, but I feel like we weren't at our best. I know we weren't at our best. And kudos to Texas. They won the game. I'm not making excuses. We play them again. I'd be, it'd probably be a different outcome. B. John will still get his numbers, but as a whole, I feel like we can come out successful. One thing I did notice at watching the game, um, and a lot of people haven't talked about that, our return teams – did not look good, mm-hmm. uh, especially kickoff. You know, um, the, the receivers, they had time to catch the ball. They weren't kicking it into the end zone, and we couldn't set up a return. And, and, and Texas guys were flying down, beating our guys to the block and, and making our returners cut cut sideways rather than getting upfield. So that was huge, too. We started with a long field most of the time. There was multiple times where K-State would miss a key block yeah. on kickoff, and Malik Knowles would get tackled on the 15. Sure enough. I mean, it's amazing how one block can spring – a big return, or it can just be a great play by the kickoff team. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that's going to be an emphasis this week in practice. <laughs> I, I don't know them. You know, we, we're around this team uh, an awful lot, and it's pretty easy to say when we know what they're going to work on. Mm-hmm. That's going to be something they work on. I look for the kickoff return team to maybe make a big play in Waco this weekend. I would be shocked if they don't. <laughs> it's it, it, it was an interesting night on special teams, but again, overall – this team is going to be fine. I think uh, well, we're obviously going to talk about Baylor here coming up shortly, but this that was the game where I think they're ready to put it behind them. Mm-hmm. They're ready to move on. Everybody's healthy now right. for the most part, knock on wood. Um, so, again, it was just kind of one of those games where they didn't get the job done. Mm-hmm. After the game, I felt like they knew that they missed an opportunity, mm-hmm. but they also understand there's three more opportunities and they still have a great chance to make it to Arlington. Absolutely. they got a lot to play for. They're regrouped. They'll be okay. I'm confident in this team. We're going to talk about the game in Waco between Kansas State and Baylor coming up in the second half. Once again, we are sponsored by the Part-Time Beverage Company, and we will see you after this short break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. 
Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, everyone, and welcome back in here to the Friday Walkthrough. I'm Cole Carmody. That's Monty Spiller. We're getting set to break down K-State versus Baylor down in Waco on Saturday, but we want to let you know we are sponsored by the Part-Time Beverage Company. This half in particular is sponsored by the Cape Cod. So let's talk about this game because Baylor is coming off of three straight wins. Uh-huh. They were 3-3. Three and three. Yeah. Everybody wrote them off. They fought their way back into the Big 12 title conversation. Now they're 6-3. and three. They're right on the outside of the college football playoff rankings. With a win, they would probably vault into the that discussion. But nonetheless, they're 6-3. and three. Coming yeah. back home, it's going to be a blackout in Waco. I saw that. It just feels like every time K-State goes on the road, not only do they play at night, it's got to be something. In Iowa State, it was the blackout. In TCU, it's the blackout. Now in Baylor, it's the blackout. I don't know. Maybe it's just something about the Cats coming to town. I don't know, but um, I will tell you, and we were talking about it earlier, um, people forget Baylor won the Big 12 last year. And, you know, they started kind of slow, and they picked it up winning the last three. And they're a well-coached team. Honestly, I'm surprised that the coach is still there. Uh, I'm shocked that some big program haven't came in and uh, sw- swung them away with some more money. But – he does a phenomenal job. They have great athletes down there in Waco, and, and they continue to compete. Their their fan base is, is rowdy, and, and like you said, the blackout is going to probably put them even in a more rowdier uh, environment. But our cats have went on the road before and, and, and shut up crowds, and I'm hoping the same happens this Saturday. The, Roy, the road warrior mentality seems to be real with this group. Yeah. We talked to them on Tuesday, and they said, we like it when everybody's against us. We like it when our back's against the wall, and we're excited to go down there. It, it, after being at home for two games, it almost feels like a good thing they get to go on the road. Because when you go on the road, you kind of just got to bond together. This group is so together. This might be the best thing for them, going into that raucous environment. Down in Waco, it's a big game. It's a night game. I- I'm looking for this team to bounce back in a very strong fashion. It's going to be a close game. Make no mistake. But this is an old-fashioned football game. Yeah, yeah. As we talk about this Baylor team, it's it's a, it's truly remarkable how many running backs they have, first of all. Let's just go through and break this down. So the leading rusher against Oklahoma, mm-hmm. Craig Squirrel Williams. His nickname is Squirrel. Squirrel. If you, if you watch him on the broadcast, they'll just refer to him as Squirrel. I had to double check. I was like, his name is Craig, and his nickname is Squirrel. So <laughs> That's awesome. Squirrel Williams uh, led them in, in rushing. But on the season, Richard Reese has led them in rushing, a freshman. What's even more remarkable is neither one of those guys are listed as the starter yeah. on the on the Baylor depth chart. That belongs to to Tway Williams, I believe is what I wrote down. I can't even read my own handwriting. There you go. But nonetheless, this has they have a group of about four or five running backs that they'll use. Mm-hmm. Somebody made the comparison in North Dakota State when Chris Kleiman was at. That's a good comparison. When when Chris Kleiman was up there. Um, they, they have all these running backs that they rotate in. As a defense, 
I feel like that present that that presents unique challenges for you when you have all these guys rotating in at running back. Oh, absolutely, because you have to prepare for each and every one of them, and each back presents something different, you know. And I'm pretty sure Baylor has packages for each back as well, not traditional zone or or, or, or sweep and whatnot. But I feel like K State has athletes to match each running back, and it's going to be a challenge. But you know, our backs are always against the wall. You know, you don't want to look at it this way. But if we lose this game, you pretty much can forget about Big 12 championship game mm-hmm. because there's four other teams that are in position the same as we are, including Baylor. So mm-hmm. it's a game that we have to understand. We have to win this to give ourselves a chance. Uh, we're both eligible. That's great. Taking nothing away from that because for seniors, they deserve to go to a bowl game. But let's not stop at a bowl game. Let's go to the Big 12 championship, win it, and then go to a bowl game and see what happens. So this Baylor game is important. Our defense, they're healthy. Daniel Green hopefully be back to full speed, mm-hmm. if not already. And let's go Let's go get back into the, the conversation of a Big 12 contender. This, this win would push K-State over the hump, yeah. I think, because – while you're still needing a Texas loss, mm-hmm. I am of the opinion that Texas putting 12 quarters together consecutively, yeah. I can't see that happening. Go Frogs. I just can't <laughs> see that happening. I think that that TCU-Texas game, actually, TCU has a great chance to win that game. Um, we'll, we'll look at that more at the end of the show. But um, with this game, K-State game in particular, this is, like I mentioned at the top, this is an old-school affair. Baylor ran a lot of eye formation against Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. I, I look at that Oklahoma game, and while I know that Oklahoma cannot stop a runny nose, on defense. Yes, indeed. Baylor ran the ball down their throats. I feel like K-State is going to match their physicality. They were tested physicality-wise against Texas last mm-hmm. week. Maybe that gives them an advantage, having understood, hey, we have they had been the more physical team in every single game they played. Mm-hmm. Maybe they weren't against Texas. I think that's a fair assessment if you think that Texas was more physical than K-State. Yeah. It was close, if not. Now they've gotten that challenge out of the way. Mm-hmm. Will they be up to it against Baylor? I think yes. I think... The line of scrimmage is going to dictate this game. If K-State can win, especially on defense, mm-hmm. if they can win the line of, on the line of scrimmage there, they're having a great opportunity to win this football game. And um, anytime you depend on guys like Felix Nyadike, Uzama, Eli Huggins, it usually works out for K-State. Yeah, um, you know, and taking nothing away from my defense last week, but I feel like Texas O-line as a whole was more physical than our D-line throughout the whole game. And for Felix, he was getting double and triple team mm-hmm. the majority of the game. And I'm sorry, Baylor can't afford. They don't have – they got five, four or five dynamic running backs, but none of them are B. John Robinson. Yep. I'm, and there's nothing against those guys, but they aren't. So you can't really uh, afford to allow a running back. They Baylor can't trust that the running back's going to make plays like Texas does. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to take some guys and double um, our, our, our D-linemen and our D-ends for that, for that matter. But – with that being said, coming off a physical game against the Texas, K-State will be prepared for Baylor and no matter what they throw at them. And it's going to be a battle up front. And our linebackers, uh, Moore and Green and Nick Allen, they are physical players. And if Baylor wants to run the ball, that's good old-fashioned smash-mouth smash football, excuse me, what K-State defense loves to play against. And our corners and safeties like to be physical, so we welcome the challenge. This is going to be a game straight out of the 90s. Yes. This is going to be a good old-fashioned Big 12 matchup. I, I, for one, cannot wait to see this because it just feels like one of those games that's going to come down to the very end. Mm-hmm. Um, now, 
Blake Shape in the quarterback is an interesting case because <laughs> yeah. he comes in um, as the backup against K-State last year. Gary Bohannon, who's now at South Florida, was a starter. Bohannon gets hurt. Shapen comes in, and everybody had never heard of this kid. It's his first action. He was a baseball player originally, mm-hmm. decided to come to Baylor to play football, and he just lights the world on fire against K-State. And then the rest of the conference, the rest of the season, obviously the rest is history. Shapen had a really good ending to his freshman year. He struggled a little bit. Mm-hmm. This year, maybe a little bit of a sophomore slump. He's thrown six interceptions. Mm-hmm. He'll give you the ball away. You just have to go up and grab it. I think if K-State tries, if they if they can stop the running attack of Baylor and make Blake Shapin beat you, mm-hmm. that has to be the plan. Yeah, I, and I feel like we can do it. You know, he he scares me a little bit with his legs. Um, not a whole lot, but enough to, to keep plays alive. And we have to be very disciplined with our coverage. And, you know, when he scrambles, scramble rules have to come into play where our DBs lock onto the receivers and not give him a free throw. But last year when he came in against us, he came in a situation where there's really wasn't any pressure. So, and anybody who knows the game of football, who watching the football, understand. And a lot of times when the backup quarterback comes in and balls out, people are screaming, oh, he should have been a starter from day one. No. He came in. There was no pressure. He made a mistake. He's a freshman backing up a guy. It is what it is. So he could play free. Now that pressure's on him, like you said, it could be a sophomore slump. He's made more mistakes. He's those interceptions. So there's opportunity for K-State to take advantage of that, and I'm anxious to see how they respond. And some receivers to keep your eye out on for Baylor. Uh, Gavin Holmes is the leading receiver. And last week against Oklahoma, they ran some reverses, jet sweeps yeah. with neighbors. Um, he, he had a big game. He scored two, uh, at least one touchdown off the top of my head that I can remember. So uh, they have some dynamic playmakers on offense, but they also hang their hat, I think, more so on the defensive side. And so as we talk about this K-State offense, offense in the Baylor defense to me it's all about what K-State does because K-State is talented enough on offense to move the ball on anybody we've seen that Mm -hmm. they put up a ton of points in the second half against Texas and they put up a lot of points against every single team they've played they've really been in the game because of the defense but they have scored with their opponents which is something besides a two-lane game that is something um, that is going to keep them in the game as well I I think that this offense is going to be able to do things Baylor is a physical defense Dave Aranda Mm -hmm. who has not lost to Chris Kleiman yet is a defensive minded coach but this Baylor team has not seen Colin Klein as offensive coordinator. I'm fascinated to see what he draws up with Adrian Martinez back to being more healthy now. Mm-hmm. Cade Warner and Malik Knowles are a little banged up. Yeah. There's no, no, no doubt about that. Kleiman said he anticipates them both being able to play, which is good. But I'm, I, I really feel like there's going to be some things that we haven't seen in a while. Baylor ran the jet sweep a lot against Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. We have not seen Malik Knowles run a jet sweep since the very first play of the game. No. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but they have got to try and find ways to get the ball on the edge because I feel like the speed of Baylor is not the speed of Texas, no. not the speed of Oklahoma State. K-State is in a very good position to where if they can use the running game to open up some of these bigger plays, they mm-hmm. might be able to make some shot plays. Yeah, and K-State, needs we need to start fast. You know, we need to score early and often. And Baylor's one of those teams, in my opinion, where if you get up on them, uh, 17 points from one points, they struggle to battle back and, and compete with you. And you talked about, you know, um, what offensive-wise we can do. People forget, and, and you we don't, but last week, Stennett had a great game. Mm-hmm. And, and he wasn't talked about a whole lot. I would be surprised – well, I wouldn't be surprised to see him even more involved with the um, game planning this week uh, going into Baylor. Like you said, smash mouth football, physical. He is uh, what you call physical, and he does a good job of it as well. But I'm I'm curious to see what Coach Klein does come up with. But Baylor is one of those schools and one of those teams where 
They start early. They're going to fight you. They're going to be hyped up. They're hopping around on the sideline. They're talking to you. And if you allow them to get into your head, it can be a long day. But if you get up on them early and shut them up, you can control the game. And I'm hoping that's what the Cats can do come Saturday. And I feel like there's always, when you're playing a night game on the road, weathering the storm. Yeah. They're going to have a punch. Yeah. At some point, it's going to be there. K-State will face some adversity. But it's how do you weather the storm? Mm-hmm. How do you get back up off the mat or avoid that big punch? Yeah. There's going to be some there, – there, there will be big plays that K-State will give up or that Baylor will have. They picked off Dylan Gabriel three times in the first half mm-hmm. on Saturday. This defense is lengthy. They're long. They're athletic. But how does K-State, again, avoid giving up those massive plays? We've only seen Adrian Martinez throw one interception. He's lost some fumbles. Fumbles are a part of the game. Mm-hmm. But how do you limit those interceptions? How do you limit those game-changing, momentum-changing plays, if K-State can just find a way to be steady, to move the ball down the field, again, I I think they need to get the ball on the outside, but the way that they've ran the ball inside of the tackles, when they they win, it's because they are able to establish the inside running game. If you can establish the inside running game, that opens everything else up. Yeah, and, and the difference between us and Oklahoma, you talked about them picking them off three times last week, Oklahoma's built the pass. They're built, they're built to throw the ball around. We are built to run first. We have a good passing game, but our meat and potatoes are the run game with Martinez and with uh, Gidden and with Deuce. You know, that's what we do in our O-line. They take pride in it. Baylor's built – they built for speed. They built to stop guys that – because the Big 12, think about it, we are a passing conference. Mm-hmm. They're secondary and linebackers. They aren't the biggest guys, but they move they move well in space. They're built to stop the pass. K-State like, wants to run the ball which I think puts us in an advantage. So we will get the run game going, force Baylor to do some things that they're not normally used to doing as far as scheme-wise, and then we can get the ball thrown over the top once they put more guys in the box. I look for some quarterback run, design quarterback run this week. There was questions about if Adrian would play on Saturday against Texas. There's no questions now. He's back to being as healthy as probably he has been since that Iowa State game. Mm -hmm. He's had a lot of time to rest. He could have played against Oklahoma State, decided not to. They decided to go with Will Howard. He's back to getting more healthy. Look for some design quarterback runs, some RPOs. Mm-hmm. We didn't really see that. I almost wonder if it's because they were trying to protect him a little bit. Yeah. This week, you got to go. You know, this is a must-win game if you're K-State. We talk about that. A must-win. This is a must-win game. Yeah. They're going to need some help to get into the Big 12 championship. Like, like I mentioned, as before, before we get to our predictions to end the show, I do want to touch on this. TCU and Texas play. That's a huge game. Mm-hmm. Texas is a touchdown favorite. Yeah. Again, Texas can beat anybody. They've shown that they can play with anybody. I think TCU finds a way to get that game. I really do. Yeah. And K-State's going to know because um, they'll be playing when that game is over. So uh, it'll, be an interesting, it'll be an interesting day of college football in the Big 12, that's for yeah. sure. But, again, just a massive day overall. Yeah. Um, it's a lot going on. And, you know, as much as I dislike the fact that we lost last Saturday, the way the conference is lined up now, it makes it fun. And it makes it must-watch TV because as a fan base, you have to get excited because your team, um, eight of the ten teams, well, six of the ten teams mm-hmm. are in that race. And so these games this week matter, not just K-State's at Baylor, but most of the games matter at some point. You know, last week, uh, KU got, became bowl eligible, good for them. And some schools are fighting for bowl eligibility still, still, but some teams are fighting to get into the Big 12 championship. Right now, TCU's the front runner. They beat Texas. It's a highly likely they'll probably be there against K-State, against whoever, but it's fun, and I'm excited. It's going to be a blast. And what's crazy about this conference is every single team, nine games into the year, still has a chance to make a bowl game. West yes. Virginia's down there at three and six, so they're they're struggling. Yep. But 
the hope's not dead yet. Yeah. I think that makes what makes this conference amazing. So getting back to this K-State-Baylor game, let's get into our picks. We were both dead wrong last week. I kind of made it sound like K-State was going to kick their butt. So did you. We were wrong. Texas showed up, and they played well. They beat K-State. But this week, I think it's a different story. I'll let you pick first. Yeah, I was wrong last week. And, you know, I felt like it would have been a home game in Harley night. The boys be pumped up. And they were. And I felt like we played better than we what we did. But, you know, it's okay to be wrong. That's why we're human. <laughs> this week, um, I think it'll be not as a high-scoring game, but it'll be a physical game for sure. Um, I'm going 28-21 Cats. Yeah, I think it's going to be a one-score game as well. I, I've said 27-24, K-State. Okay, okay. I do think K-State will win this game. The spread is three. If they don't win, I think they'll cover. Um, but, again, I think K-State, this is a bounce-back game. Mm. This is a get-right game. K-State has not lost two in a row yet this season. Yeah. I don't think that that happens on Saturday. I think K-State gets it done. Money agrees. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening to the Friday Walkthrough. We're sponsored by the Part-Time Beverage Company, and we will talk to you next Friday. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.